Let's hold those up. I'm a child of God. I have in my hand powerful Word of God. can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, it all starts today. Now you're wondering, what starts today? <laughs> Jesus' ministry starts today. In those Bibles you held up. Let's go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Sometimes I put the verses up top. Sometimes I don't. I want you to look them up. Be a good steward of your message of God and the Word of God. Mark chapter 1. Pick up at verse 14 with me. Your version may be a little different than mine. Take a deep breath. Your version will be okay. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Now this is an account of Jesus beginning his ministry and call to the disciples to follow him. But as the verse starts, as the little section starts, it says after John was arrested. Now this is John the Baptist. John was the forerunner or the precursor or the prophet before the Messiah. John was a wild-eyed it's probably where they get the wild-eyed Baptist idea. He was John the Baptist. And he wasn't Baptist by denomination. He was Baptist because of what he did. He was a baptizer. He would do Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and hold you until the bubble squid came up. Coming up. He got spirit in you. And the evil spirit out of you. Amen. Folks, smile, would you? Thank you. I was hoping I didn't put a damper on everything. But John the Baptist is preaching. He's been put in prison for preaching. We're seeing it all over the world today. Got a young mother who just had a baby in prison. Who the authorities of that country said, because you're a Christian, you will be hanged in the court in the uh, uh, courtyard for public viewing. Her crime, she's a Christian and not a Muslim. Against the law, I guess, to be a Christian. She hadn't batted an eye. Jesus says in our passage, Come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Now in Luke 5, Luke is a doctor. 
Luke gives a little bit more detail. Doctors are detail people. So he gives a little more detail. But he puts it like this in Luke 5. From now on, you'll catch men. So Jesus said in Matthew, I'll make you fishermen. In Luke, you'll catch men. And then if you go back to our passage in Mark 1 and look at verse 18, it says, at once they blew him off and said, there ain't no way we're going with you. Is that what your Bible says? <laughs> it says, at once they left their nets and followed him. They followed him. Why? Because he was offering them a better deal? Hey, I'll get you out of that stinky boat and those stinky fish and worthless nets you got to repair all the time. And Man, we're going to go to a hotel. We're going to eat. We're going to wine and dine. We're going to help people. We're going to be a sales. We're going to be sales fleet that nobody can catch us. He was offering them six figures for salary, plus benefits, plus company car. Come follow me. And then what Jesus was offering them? Well, the thing that's interesting is they didn't know what he was offering them. They just simply said, okay. They dropped their nest and took off with him. So, to obey him in everything in life was going to be a different walk for them. Amen? But they spent time with him. They watched the way he acted and what he did. I love what Brian said. Children will watch you more than listen to you. Or they watch. Or they see it. When you get angry, they get angry. You can see it on their face. When you do silly things, they do silly things. When you laugh, they laugh. When you cry, they come over and pat you and cry because they don't know why you're crying, but they come and pat you and cry because that's what people are supposed to do. I saw a great dog video this week. Pet videos are fun. But this dog, the man was laying on the dog's chest and the dog had his paw up there stroking his head. Now, you tell me that they don't understand. Now, cats won't do that. Cats will scratch your eyes out. But, you know, a dog going to love you now. <clears throat> cats are sneaky. Cats are of the devil. I'm telling you. I just lost half the crowd right there. But you see, they watched Jesus. They, they saw how He lived. They saw how He carried Himself. They saw Him do miracles. And they even saw dead people rise to life. They had no idea what it meant to be a fisher of men. They, had, they absolutely had no They understood fishermen and fishing, but they didn't understand fisher of men. It didn't quite, what are you going to do, grab them with a grappling hook and drag them in? Well, that's got some merit. You got a few that you'd like to throw a grappling hook on and drag into the church house, amen? They didn't quite grasp their mission of fishing. They began to fish for people, for men, for women, for children. They didn't know it then, but we know it on the backside as we hear Jesus' words, Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. We're on the backside of that, and we know what that meant. And know what it means. We realize that He's talking about Taking the good news of who He is and then giving it away, spreading it around. And here we sit 2,000 years later in a place of worship 
singing, hearing about Jesus. Not because a group of people followed, but because a group of people followed and fished. You're here because somebody fished and caught you. Amen? You didn't fish and catch yourself. Nine times out of ten. Somebody fished for you and caught you. And guess what? The same mission is set for us today as it was for them back then. And the invitation for these first four guys and all of us is to enter this bigger story. It's that upper story we've been talking about in our series of the story. And the upper story is is that God has a plan. We don't always see the plan in the lower part of the story. But in the upper part of the story, God has a plan. And He uses the lower story to accomplish the bigger story in His plan. And He always, from Genesis to now, is using who? People. Some of the strangest people. He says, I'm going to create a nation that will outnumber the nations. And he uses an infertile old couple to get it started. Mm-hmm. 90 and 100 years old. Oh, but they're going, to, they're going to set the world on fire. Those two are. Then later he needs a prostitute's help. Then he needs this old itinerant preacher who decides he doesn't want to go to Nineveh, so he ends up three days in the belly of a fish. Seaweed hanging off his ear when he coughs him up on the shore. Then he gets to Hosea. Tells Hosea to marry a prostitute who's still practicing her profession. And every night he has to walk through the city trying to find his wife. And God says, buy buy her back from her owners picture of Jesus buying us back with his blood at Calvary. So Jesus would say to you and to me, as he did to these first four guys, first of all, there's two things he's going to say to them that apply to us. Number one, your mission is fishing. <laughs> so on your outline, there's your first fill in. You're fishing, or your, your mission is fishing. Your fishing is your mission. <laughs> your mission is fishing. I realize that's not grammatically correct. It should be fishing. I understand that. But being from Texas, you'll overlook me. I appreciate that too. You can always tell when a guy's from Texas, you just can't tell him much. <laughs> well, I'm starting to hear a little chuckle out of Follow me, Jesus says. I will turn you into someone else. Throughout the New Testament, we find people who begin to not just follow Jesus, but they begin to fish women. Women made the best fishermen. Still do. Who's the first one taught you about Jesus? Was it your dad? Your mother? Grandmother? Who got you to church for the first time? Was it your dad? Your mother? Your grandmother? But dads are critically important. If you can get dads involved in that process, woo, look out. Watch out. Tax collectors. Those guys were well-known and well-respected in the communities. We still got them today, don't we? They can lose emails. Next time you're audited, you need to try that. Well, my hard drive crashed. And somebody took it out and destroyed it. Demon-possessed men. God would even use demon-possessed men to preach the gospel. Prostitutes. 
Mary Magdalene. See, it all started off in a unique way, but through faith and through following and through his, in responding in obedience, Jesus was able to teach them to fish for men. Over the history of Christianity, 2,000 years, we've, we find individuals who realize that Jesus' ministry did not begin and end with them. The ministry continues through them. Jesus' ministry begins and it continues through you and me. When Jesus called you to follow Him, He didn't call you to make you richer, smarter, more talented, more disciplined. His primary goal for you and for me is that we would follow Him and and then do in the lives of others what someone did for us. Somebody taught us. Somebody fished for us and caught us. When we became Christians, that wasn't on the forefront of our minds. For many of us, when we became Christians, motivation was very selfish. My motivation was very selfish. I came to Jesus out of pure fear of going to hell. I'm not going to lie to you. When I heard a description of hell and a description of heaven, I liked heaven. (laughs) I did not like that other side. And so it was out of pure fear of going down there that I wanted to go up here. So I, I was very selfish. Some came to Jesus for selfish reasons. Some needed help. Maybe their marriages were in trouble. Maybe they've got some health issues. It's funny how when we're we're in real trouble, we turn to God real fast. We want Him to heal us, save us, get us right. And once He does and we do, what happens to us? Man, look at me. Look how much better I am. I followed the doctor's orders and look what's going on. Well, what about all those countless people that prayed for you? Hmm. How about that? The primary motivation of why people come to Jesus and follow him is that we sometimes are very selfish and we just simply need him. We become Christians and that selfishness follows even into our early walks in Christ. Everything kind of circles and revolves around us in that early walk with Christ. We say, God bless me. God protect me. God give me good health. God give me a job. God get me a better job. God get me a mate. God get me a better mate. God get on my agenda, would you please? It's all about me here. I came into the kingdom expecting all the blessings that these boys have been telling me about. One of them says I get ten times what I give you, so I'm ready for my ten times to come back. I mean, I gave a dollar last week. Give me ten. Give me ten. Because I'm going to kick it up to twenty, and I'm looking forward to two hundred dollars ten times. Here we go. God, I think I'm going to put $100 in a plate. I'm looking for $1,000. Here we go. A lot of people give that way, don't they? Well, what happens if you give $10,000? I want to know who you are, <laughs> first of all. I don't think it works that way. But early on, it, it does, doesn't it? That's how we think early on. Sometimes... Unfortunately, Christians stay right there. They don't ever get past it. They don't ever grow past it. 
And maybe in the same, in, in, in these first four disciples. I mean, their first encounter with Jesus, he begins to invite them to follow. Book of Mark tells it in a different way. Mark was young and he would tell stories in a different way. That's the one we read. In, in the book of Luke, more expanded, more eventful. Jesus is talking to them and wondering if they caught any fish. And they said, no. And he said, well, you might try throwing your nets down the other side of the fish, I mean on the boat. And sure enough, enough fish came in, began to break their nets and sink their boat. And they started calling for friends to come help them. And they couldn't get them all in. And Luke was very graphic and very, very thorough, and not graphic, but thorough in his descriptions in that chapter, in that story. And we see later in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, Peter is preaching and 3,000 come to know Jesus, and that's, that's wonderful. I can't help but think that if fish represent people and fishing represents evangelism, then I desperately want God to break our nets and to sink our boat. I always find it interesting that our church service starts at 10.30, but it's about... 10 till 11 before we actually get enough people in here to feel like we got a crowd. Do we hunger? Are we so thirsty? We can't, i got to have a drink. I can't wait to hear the Word of God. I can't wait to sing the songs. I can't wait to be a part of it. I can't wait to get, oh, i got to see so-and-so. Oh, i got to meet Jesus. See, that's the reason we come is to meet Jesus, not to see each other, but to meet Jesus. Amen? And we ought to see Jesus in each of us. Amen? So the hug and howdy's fun, except all of you, hey, how y'all doing, how y'all doing? Yeah, that's good. But you ought to start looking at each other differently. Jesus in you? I see him. I see him. May more people come to know who you are and experience what you've experienced in your walk with God as you're growing, as you're developing, as you're seeking. We've had people in our lives who've been faithful to live this out and to tell us that there's a God that you can have a relationship with. He isn't. He isn't far away. In fact, He's very close, isn't He? You can know Him personally. You can call Him by name, Jesus. Now, if you're a preacher, you can't say it just Jesus. Jesus! I mean, that's, that's just how preachers say His name. I don't get that. Why do they say it that way? His name is Jesus, not Jesus! While they shake. I don't, I don't get that. Can some of y'all smile today? Aaron, smile at me back there. Can you wave? Hey, look at the hands up for Jesus. All right, good then. It's an absolute miracle that they caught fish at all, these fishermen. Another story of a boat. Over in John, chapter 21, verse 1 and following. That's what FF means in following. The disciples have been following Jesus for three years, and they've watched, they've watched Him do amazing things. He goes to the cross and dies for their sins, and before He dies on the cross, Peter denies Him three times. He's heartbroken. He's denied Jesus. He's not feeling it. He doesn't want it. He wants to get away. Peter decides to go fishing to take his mind off of it. You know, that's what he, he just goes back to his old ways, right? And the other six, they're with Him. They go out. They fish all night long. They don't catch a thing. Up on the shore, they see a figure. 
And Jesus says, hey, caught any fish? Cast your net on the other side. Yeah, you're right. Once again, more fish than they can handle. Boat's starting to sink. And what's Peter do? He jumps out of the boat. <laughs> he jumps out of the boat because he knows who's on the shore. And he swims up and he gets out to, to be with Jesus. Jesus has been there cooking on the fire, cooking bread and cooking some fish. Tells him to grab some more fish and bring it over so they can cook. Peter jumps up to go get some more fish and bring it over to where they are. The Bible says the net was full of large fish, 153 large fish to be exact. Why did the Bible say 153? Well, there's speculation. Some say there were 153 people recorded in the Gospels that received a blessing from Jesus. Some say that it was because there were 153 parts in which the Torah was divided into a teaching cycle of three years. Some say it was because there were 153 nations in the world at the time of Jesus. Jesus has a conversation with Peter at the, at the back side of this story. And he shifts. He shifts the conversation. Peter, he says, do you love me? Not once, not twice, but three times. He says, Peter, do you love me? And then he tells Peter something that he hadn't heard before. And that is, feed my sheep. Now, Peter was in the middle of this church plant in Acts chapter 2 that was starting, this groundswell that was starting. He remembered Jesus said, saying, your mission is to be fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say anything at that time about feeding sheep, but now he's adding feeding sheep. And so that leads us to our second thing. Our mission of the church is to fish. Our personal mission is to feed. Fishing and feeding. Catch fish and feed them. Evangelism and discipleship. Somewhere in this analogy, people are becoming sheep. Now we get to take care of sheep, encourage sheep, educate sheep, so sheep can go out and fish and teach. But let's go back to that first scene, the place where they're in the boat. They see Jesus for the first time on the shore, and they've cast their nets into deeper water. Their nets are breaking, their boat's sinking, they're bailing water, they're rowing back. They get back to the shore, and Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Well, what else are they going to say? They better follow him, right? He knows their business better than they do. And I don't think they followed because they were excited to be fishers of men. They began to follow Jesus because they saw, heard, and experienced. That's the way it continues to this day. People don't sign up because they want to be fishers of men. They see, hear, and experience the power of Jesus in your life. That's why they sign up to be fishers of men. That's why they come and, be, and are hooked and are saved. is because they see it, they hear it, and they experience it through you. Or do they hear you cussing through the week? Or do they see how you're driving and cutting people off in traffic? Or do they see you losing your temper? All throughout Jesus' ministry, people began to listen to him and to follow him. Jesus fed people bread and fish, thousands of people, and he did it for free. So, the main motivation here was to follow the guy that gives away free food. 
Then he would heal people from diseases. So you follow the man that has a free health care plan. Amen? Then Jesus would raise people from the dead. What a fantastic motivation for people to see all this happening. And they're going to follow him just in case they kill over dead. He'll bring them back. People begin to follow Jesus. It's a good start, but Jesus wants to lead you to the part where you get beyond what you've done and what's been done for you lately. Jesus wants to get you to the place where everything in life is leveraged in such a way that it brings eternal value to you and to the lives of those around you. He wants you to become fishers of men. But we get so consumed with ourselves and the world begins to revolve around us. We begin to pray, God bless me, protect me. We're worried about our marriages, our finances, our health. God is definitely concerned about all the details of your life. But if you allow Him to take all the stuff in your life, money, pain, success, then He needs to take everything. You need to start rearranging your life and reprioritizing your life so it's leveraging around the glory of God and the things that God can do to bring others to Him through you and through me. He'll shape us in a way that we can't even understand if we'll surrender. He'll take that bad language away. He'll take those evil thoughts away. He'll take that gluttony away. He'll take that pornography away. He'll take that addictive behavior away. When you're living in sin, He'll turn it right. Because He loves us that much. Cares about us that much. Cares so much He sent His Son to die on the cross for our sins. And not only for ours, but the sins of the whole world. And so Jesus toward the tail end of his time with the disciples, penned these words in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that's usually where we stop. But verse 20 is where we need to keep going. It says, And teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So you've got to make them, baptize them, and then you've got to teach them some more. They began to follow Jesus' command to be fishers of men, to go out and make disciples, to catch fish and feed sheep. And here we are 2,000 years later, not because people believed in Jesus, but because they saw and experienced and began telling others about what they had experienced, and it rubbed off on us. Now we've got to turn around and do the same thing. The command to fish and to go out and create disciples is why we do what we do here at River Oaks Church. Why do we gather as a church every week? If we're not going to go out and fish and feed people, we need to go fish for them. Well, I've tried. I've tried, preacher. They just don't want to come here. They just don't want to go anywhere. Well, they're already going somewhere. Make you some new friends. Go to Starbucks. You'll find half a dozen people don't go to church anywhere. Go to Reese's Deli. Get you a plate full of grease. And eat with somebody. Invite them to church. We've got the door knockers hanging back there. The door hangers sitting back there. They're in groups of five. Grab as many as you want to put in your neighborhood. There's close to a hundred of them. Take them. Hand them out. You may be the first time you ever talk to your neighbor. Hand them that or hang it on the door. Maybe Maybe they'll be in the yard. Talk to them. Invite them to come to your church. Be excited about your church. 
this command of fishing to go out and create disciples is why we do what we do. That's why we support ministries like our Bible colleges, John 3.16, CICM, the Bennett's going to Vanuatu, Sunset Bible Camp. That's why we do this stuff. Cooks and Hills. That's why we do it. But the danger is we talk about that kind of thing and ministers talk about sharing their faith. People immediately begin to stereotype that. Well, that's what we pay you to do. You're the preacher. We pay you to do it. Wow. The charge is to each of us to fish and to feed. Jesus says, if you'll follow me, I'll leverage what is earthly and temporary in such a way to bring something eternally good to you and your sphere of influence. You see, we're perfectly positioned in our jobs, in our neighborhoods, in our schools to simply fish. God's placed you there on purpose. Think about a person or group that led you to faith in Christ. They, they, were, they were some influence. Either they brought you to the first time or they encouraged you to follow Him once again. It's the messenger combined with this fantastic message that led you to faith in Christ. So as you begin that ministry with Jesus, remember Jesus didn't fly alone. He gathered people around Him. He invited them to join Him in the mission. We can't have championship teams when you play by yourself. You've got to play as a team. We've got to play as a team. I can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. But together we can do it together. Get a lot done. Amen. Take your connection card. I had you hold till now. On the back... I've got two questions for you. Who was it that came fishing for you? Put a name in there. Who was it that came fishing for you? Put a name in that blank. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds. Actually, I'm not going to wait that long. Now, this next blank may be a little tougher to fill because you're not doing it. And that is, who are you fishing for? We've got a whole bunch of names up here on this cross that people gave us months ago. I haven't been able to take one of them down yet because they found the Lord. Have we quit praying about this? Are you still praying about each of those names? Do you even know who's up there? Now, don't go up there and take that off the cross. You write the name down and you pray for that person or persons until we take their name down, until they come to the Lord. Have we stopped praying for them? Why has that preacher got those pieces of paper stuck on that cross up there? That's why. We're praying that they'll come to the Lord. Who are you fishing for? Some of you gave me names. I put them up there. Are you still fishing for them? Have you said anything directly to them about your fishing for them? Let them know that you got a hook out there. And some bait. Now, some of them don't want to take the bait. I, I know. <laughs> I know. It was over 30 years for my oldest brother to respond. You're going to pray for 30 years? I don't know. But don't stop now. Don't stop now.
But you put those names down there. Now, here's your homework assignment. I want you to write a letter to the person who fished for you. I want you to write a letter to them. don't have to send it to them. I just want you to write a letter. And in that letter, I want you to express to them how much you appreciate the fact that they took the time to fish for you. Now, I already know that there will be less than 10% of you who will actually do that. I already know that. How do I know that? Human nature. Well, they, 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 they know how I feel. Really? You ever told them? You ever told them? Well, write a letter to them. And then if you really want to, send it to them. But you don't have to. But just write the letter because it would be good for you to write it so that you know how much you appreciate what they've done for you. Because had they not come and fished for you and led you to Christ, you would be hell bound with no hope. See how important it is? Who was that? Who was that? And I appreciate you putting that name in there because I just want their first name, that's all. Because this week I can spend some time praying for that person and how grateful I am that they found you and that you found this church. Because I'm very grateful. We need to have hearts of gratitude. Spirits of gratitude. So on that connection card, be sure and hand it to me as you're leaving. Or just leave it on your seat when you get up. And I'll get it later. Now let's just do it that way. Just leave it on your seat when you leave. And I'll collect them after church. So write that name down. Get them a letter. See who it is in your neighborhood that you need to be fishing for. Now let's not just be a follower. Let's fish. And let's teach. Pray with me, would you? Lord, today, we've got people in our church service that need a special touch from you. They need to be reminded that somebody somewhere, sometime, took the time to share Jesus with them. They learned about confession and repentance and they learned about baptism and they learned about church attendance and they learned about prayer and tithing and Bible reading and they learned about faithfulness and they learned about all that stuff from somebody. And God, if we haven't If we've been Christians a long time and we haven't even attempted to try to talk to somebody about you and being saved, shame on us. Because as you you told those first fishermen, drop your nets and come follow me. God, you're telling us to drop whatever it is that's in your life hindering you and come follow Jesus. And and you have positioned us in our jobs, in our relationships, to do that very thing. To teach, to fish, and to feed. Father, would you impress upon us? Would God, you break our nets? Would you begin to sink our boats? So much so that we can't contain what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.